Welcome back everyone to Sweet 1111. I'm Casey Barrett. And I'm Sienna Grady. And today we are going to be covering the case of Kyle Klingscales with its recent findings here in Alabama. And if you don't know who Kyle Klingscales is, he was an Auburn student. He was, I believe, a sophomore or a junior at the time. Um, he was 22 years old and he was driving back from his hometown of LaGrange, Georgia, where he worked as a bartender at the Moose Club um, before de- disappearing on January 27, 1976, as he was coming back here to Auburn. And the case has gone unsolved for 47 years. And recently, there have been some new findings revolving this case. And it's so close to home. Like, he was an Auburn student many, many, many years ago. And here we are now, just now, figuring out what happened to him. Yeah, so this case has been going on for... Um, like Sienna said, a really long time. And in quite a few of the press conferences that the Troop County Police Department has put out, they it's really hard to kind of answer those questions on why maybe some things that we'll dive into later weren't done or weren't conducted in the early years of his case. But it's really hard to say because um, since it's been going on for so long, they weren't there. They weren't in power to conduct some of this research or investigation um, tactics. So I just want to point out a few very important um, things to note during this case. He was driving a Ford Pinto runabout. Um, So his car is going to come into play here as well as his wallet and IDs. Um, So and we're going to take it back to 1978, um, just two years after Kyle's disappearance. Um, The case was still going on. Obviously, after two years, if someone has disappeared, it really may not start to look good. Um, But we had something that was really a pretty big connection to us during this time was the Klingscales, um, his parents, John and Louise, they actually gave a statement to the Auburn Plainsman in 1978. So that was something that was really interesting to us to see kind of our student organization being put to use during something so detrimental um, like this disappearance of students. And it was really also neat that they gave statements and a lot of the research that we had done on this case, um, I actually found a couple of new findings in the Plainsman article. It's um, titled, He Never Came Home But They Never Gave Up by Rick Harmon, a features editor at the time at the Plainsman. So we, I will link this in the description if anyone wants to go check out some of the early Plainsman findings. But a couple things that I thought was really interesting in this article was um, the Klingscales had told the Plainsman how he wasn't really much of a school person. Um, maybe college wasn't the right path for Kyle. And he might have felt like a burden on his parents by, you know, having to pay for college and going through this. And so they thought that one theory of what Kyle's disappearance was about was he decided to disappear rather than tell his parents he was dropping out of school to kind of make it easier on everyone. And so I thought that was really interesting. Um, Another thing was the Klingscales had told the Plainsman about one of his friends saying that just 10 days before his disappearance, um, he had to get off for a while. So that is something else that could really lead into kind of what happened to him. Yeah, and I think what's so interesting with these sorts of cases is when we're looking at them from a bird's eye view, like I read this and I'm like, what do you mean he was just having to get away? Like it's so much easier just to tell your parents that you're dropping out. But 
like, he thought that disappearing would be the right thing, and, like, that probably made total sense to him in the way that he was, but looking at it as, like, an investigator, it's like, well, if he just wanted to disappear, whatever, you know what I mean? And I think that that definitely played a factor in the it going unsolved for 47-plus years, um, these different things. And later in the article, it says something about his parents, like, reaching out to some psychics, and like, about where his body could potentially be or where he could potentially be. Um, and some people said that he could be in New Orleans. And then other people said that he could be in Waco, Texas, which, if you don't know where Waco is, that's where Baylor University is. Um, and all of those were just dead ends. They, they used that as potential leads, but they were just dead ends that didn't go anywhere. And, and we kind of want to jump forward since all these leads do take into a play because they were saying that he was like Sienna said he was found in places all over the country I know Hawaii was mentioned as well because um I believe Kyle had gone on vacation there at one point and stated that he really enjoyed his time there so they were really thinking outside of the box um anywhere he could be which was really interesting was where his car was eventually found so in December of 2021 not very long from today somebody was driving in the area of Caseta Alabama um, which again, not very far from Auburn University here, and found a car submerged um, off the side of the road in a in a creek. I believe that the plate was found to have um, Troop County on it, so the authorities over in that area were contacted. The car was taken out of the lake, and a lot of things were found inside, like I mentioned earlier, um, his wallet and his IDs, stuff like that, and they were able to link this license plate and the car back to that it was Kyle's. So this really takes into a play maybe like ha- maybe he was driving home and maybe suggested that he he was driving home on I-85 um, as you do back to Auburn and got just a little bit off his route and something maybe an accident happened and he was unable to get out of his car fast enough. Um, so that's one theory. Well, with all the confusion surrounding the case and where Kyle could potentially be in Texas or in Hawaii or in New Orleans, the police actually ended up going to Oregon to investigate because there's one guy in the state of Oregon who claimed to be Kyle and claimed that he had disappeared, but he ended up in Oregon. Yeah, and so um, the case, or the situation in that goes that it was a man called Danny Moore, um, like said, from Oregon, and this was also in 1981. Um, he came forward to the Kling Scales and kind of said that he was their lost son, Kyle. He believed in this, and he had gamed amnesia from a car accident, and he collected himself as Danny Moore, but thought he was this missing kid since this case was becoming so national. However, Danny's parents um, back in Oregon kind of stated out that he was not the Klingscale son. He was, in fact, um, his own parents' son, um, the Moors. And he, they also claimed that the amnesia was not real and he was not lately in an automobile accident to have caused this. Um, another really interesting thing about that case was when R- Moore had talked to reporters, he had kind of changed up his story and said that the amnesia had come from a beating, which we don't know exactly where that came from, but in the Valley Times um, news that uh, he kind of had a really interesting home situation. Um, he was kind of looking to stay away from his biological mother, and he lived at home with his step or his stepmother and his biological father. So I, I really feel like that this is a case in its own, 
Um, I think someone, or I really hope to, after this, maybe look into what happened to Danny Moore because if is that like identity theft? Is that I don't like, know. I don't know if that's considered <laughs> like I'm pretending really to be sure. someone else and going on the record about it. I don't know. Yeah, and the whole amnesia claim. Like I really, I I really feel like you could go and dig into that, even though it kind of ended up as a dead end in Kyle's in Kyle's case. I will say, and what I've learned from my own uh, knowledge about criminal cases and crimes, whenever there's a lot of craziness going on, it really clouds the judgment of a lot of the investigators and they're able to miss a lot of the details. Um, So I feel like all these different people saying that he could be in all these different places or this guy coming out and saying, I'm actually Kyle. It gave them like false hope and they began chasing that rather than what could potentially have been the actual right route um, to figure out what genuinely happened to him earlier than 47 plus years later. Well, and because this case was so nationally known, so many people were dropping different hints and leads and different things um, that it was just so crowded. And actually the clink scales, Kyle's parents, um, were very public about their son's disappearance. Um, and around 20, for 20 years, um, they were really active on issues regarding um, not just the case of their missing son, but just missing children in general. They were instrumental in creating some awareness and some like legislation to help protect children that are missing. Um, and they actually wrote a manuscript written by John Clinkscale titled, titled Kyle's Story, Friday Never Came. And so with that, um, after this occurrence back in 1981 with um, Danny Moore, and it was kind of just really back and forth between people giving tips um, where he might be and dead ends. In 1996, there was a few leads to the Troop County Sheriff's Office where they received several pieces of information of Kyle's body being found in a lake or in a pot of land, which were both investigated and found they found no remains there. Um, and it really didn't come to light again until about 2005 where Kyle's parents received a tip from a man who is remaining unknown um, saying that back when he was seven years old, he witnessed the disposal of Kyle's body inside of a barrel. Um, I believe the story goes that he saw Kyle's body being cemented down and put into a barrel. And the man led the police to three individuals named Ray Hyde, Gene Polak Johnson, and Jimmy Earl Jones. And Jones and Johnson were actually both arrested for counts of false statements and concealing a death um, as they were traced back to Hyde's home um, on the night of Kyle's disappearance. And Ray Hyde was believed to have done the killing. However, he died in 2001, so he was not sentenced or put on trial for this case. Um, however, he had recently been interviewed by the police back in 1996, um, where he stated that he didn't have anything to do with Kyle's disappearance, but he did have some question and suspicion to him since he had been arrested in the past with criminal criminal charges against um, having a weapon and for marijuana. Um, however, one really interesting aspect was that he had these criminal charges against him and he was also linked back to the Moose Club. I know Johnson, um, I believe, was a member of the Moose Club and them having a relation, they, they must have attended there together or the Moose Club must have been known to Ray Hyde. This was where that people suspect that Kyle and Ray Hyde had met 
And the story goes that Kyle, being a bartender, you know, he he hears things at these clubs or he hears conversations that go on and he kind of knew about some of the criminal history that Ray had, had maybe gone into and it was not publicly known or the police didn't know about it. And Ray Hyde had maybe found out that Kyle knew about this and that resulted in Kyle's disappearance. Um, that's not the statement made out. That's not like technically the facts that happened. This is just, just like speculation yes. by us. Yeah. That would make sense though. Like I know you've worked in the service industry before mm-hmm. and I currently work in the service industry and I just think about all of the random things that people tell me and yes. the random conversations that I overhear or the conversations I have. And there are definitely things that I know that I A didn't want to know, but ended up finding out and I'm like, well maybe one of these people is like a murderer and they come after me because they accidentally said something to me while I was taking their order or something, you know? Um, so it's just really interesting to think about um, what what could have been the cause. And that's one thing with these cases, when they go on for so long, people's memories fade and people die. Like, this guy that wants to remain anonymous, he, was, he claims that he was seven years old and he saw his body being um, disposed of. Like, over years, your memory morphs and changes, and how could he even possibly remember that? You know what I mean? So you really don't know, like, kind of where this leads to. And that kind of goes into where maybe this story could be true because when being questioned by the police, um, Jones made several claims, including information on the disposal of Kyle's body, um, maybe that he was there and he witnessed it and what happened with Hyde. Um, But then later, when making a second statement or statements following, um, really contradicted himself and overall by the police he was ruled an unreliable witness so they really couldn't use his story although he did remain um in jail as we were talking about earlier his car was found in december of 2021 in a creek in cassetta alabama um and the license plate was identified as kyle's um and they were actually able to find remains in the car and near it um and they went through all the DNA, and they were able in February of 2023 to confirm that it was, in fact, Kyle's DNA. Yeah, and so this was a really huge leap during the case. Um, Obviously, when you find something like this, this leads you even closer to solving this case that has been going on for so, so long. Um, And I know in a press conference back in 2021, um, the sheriff's office in Troop County made a statement um, coming out and saying, that when they do come back with these um, results and when they find out if it is Kyle, which they infected, they said, quote, was he murdered and left or did he run off the road and wrecked there, end quote. Um, like I said, this is really um, detrimental and important in this case coming so close to maybe finding out a result of what really happened to him. Unfortunately, that Kyle's parents did pass away. I know his mother, Louise, passed away um, in January of 2021, so so close to finding out maybe what really happened, but for her sake, finding out what happened to her son, um, at least we are getting somewhere, and we are finding out what is the real story about what happened to Kyle. Um, one point that I want to make out, so in 2005, like we said, um, Johnson and Jones were arrested for false statements and concealing a death. Um, this charge, concealing a death, really stood out to me when I found out about um, his remains coming out in 2021 and the statements making that, yes, authorities are still working to find out the cause of Plinkscale's death, despite 
um, these several different theories that are happening. So yes, Jones came out and made statements saying that um, this happened and this happened, but we really don't know. And so it really comes down to maybe like what really happened? Like, are these people actually involved? Are they just trying to maybe keep a story straight? Like you really don't know. And that is going to conclude Kyle's case really for now. Um, back when they found his bones a couple of weeks ago in February of this year. Um, I'm going to link a lot of descriptions and sources if anyone wants to read more on this information and also the Troop County Sheriff's Office websites if anybody does know any information or to kind of just stay informed on this really timely and really local case, him being an Auburn student here. And thank you all so much for tuning in this week on Sweet 1111. Me and Casey had such a fun time diving into this story. And um, make sure you check out the Auburn Plainsman on our socials um, at Instagram and Twitter. And we will see you all next week.